I want to thank ReviewBiz for sponsoring today's episode. By the way, did you know that reviews are today's digital word of mouth? It's also one of the most valuable business and marketing assets you have. If you're not maximizing your review strategy, then ReviewBiz platform can help you. Let ReviewBiz inspire your members to give you your first five reviews for only $1. To get started, just go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try. There are some things that you need to do and you need to say, look, if I've been doing this experiment for a period of time and I'm like doing franchising and for some reason, like my franchisees aren't doing well and I can't figure out how to provide them a business model, which is franchising, mm-hmm. give them somebody an operating model that will allow them to make money and a system. If you don't have a system that does that, figure out a way to change all your franchisees into licensees and get out of the legal obligation of being a franchisor. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Gym Owners Grow Stone Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Escobar, and I'm super excited about this episode and ready to share the conversation I had with our guest, Pete Moore. Pete Moore is the founder and chief dream architect over at Integrity Square. His firm focuses on financial advice for the health, active lifestyle, and outdoor sector. Yeah, that's a mouthful. He has also advice on over 100 mergers and acquisitions. He is also the co-founder of Iron Planet, a leading B2B auction site for heavy equipment. And in addition, his advisory work, Pete has created media and live education properties such as Halo Talks, a B2B podcast in the health sector, and Halo Academy an executive education bootcamp series. To learn more about Pete, check out thehaloacademy.com. Before we dive in deeper, a lot of pre-production work and editing goes into producing an audio and video podcast like this. Moving forward, we're going to be releasing a ton more gym growth strategies and offers from our guests and sponsors. So subscribe or follow us if you're really looking to grow your gym or your other businesses. You know, we really appreciate your support and are truly thankful for it. So when you're listening to the show and you think of a friend, do them a favor and share it with them because we all know sharing is caring. And it's also a really nice thing to do around here. My last ask is simple. We all know ratings and reviews are really helpful for any business and podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us your feedback in a form of a review, which helps us reach a wider audience and improve the show for you. By the way, if you have any other comments or need to reach me, by the way, if you have any other comments or if you need to reach me, feel free to connect directly with me on Instagram at meetesco. I'd love to hear any suggestions or concerns you want to share with me. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Andres Escobar, the number one. So now as we dive into Pete's episode today, I'm really intrigued to get your opinions and your thoughts about what he's about to share with us. So let's go ahead and jump in and listen to our show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Gym Owners Growth Zone. And I am so lucky to have Pete Moore as a guest. And Pete Moore 
Man, I just feel like it just sounds great to just say Pete more because it's like everybody wants more. Yeah. <laughs> I use that as a, uh, as a uh, presidential high school campaign, I think, back in the day, Andres. <laughs> Use what you got, right? Use what you got. I love it. So, Pete, I want to make sure that the audience has a good grasp of who you are and the value that you're about to bring them. If you could do me a favor and give us like your origin story and it doesn't have to be, you know, a long synopsis. It could be as long or short as you want it to be, honestly, because we're all ears. Love to hear about how you got started and and where you are right awesome. now. Awesome. Yeah. Well, one, thanks for having me on the show and uh, look forward to a big 2023 fully recovered, you know, rebound for the industry. And as I've been saying for since COVID day one, that the bricks and mortar of this category will not go away. And I'm going to talk about with you today why it's never going to go away and why we're going to get yeah. bigger and stronger. But I started out back in high school, lived in Westbury, Long Island. Uh, I was always a big sports guy. I always preferred team sports, being around other people. And I always gravitated towards uh, playing defense and playing the goalie on soccer was probably my most defining athletic position. Part of it was because my dad let me use his change machine when the ice cream man came around. So I used to eat a lot of sweets before I went to, to sleep. So I got a little chubby and used to shop at the Husky Department of Sears, which, you know, they've psychologically decided that's not a good term for kids to go in and buy elastic jeans. But, you know, when you're tall right. and you're a little bit chubby and you go to a soccer practice and you realize, All right, I'm allowed to use my hands. I don't have to run as fast as everybody else. You know, that was a good place for you if you, you were taking down a lot of sugar back in the day and you didn't have a nutritional label on anything. Having said that, I got really good at playing soccer and being the goalie and, and just understanding the dynamics of like, hey, I'm at the back. I got to make sure we don't lose. And it's not my responsibility for, the, for us to win the game. And I got really comfortable with, hey, you know, we won this game 2 nothing or 3 nothing, And I don't need to be one of the guys that scores the goals. I just want to make sure that I'm part of the winning team and the winning solution. And then, by the way, the goalies are such a super important. You downplayed it a little bit, but I think it's one of the, you see the whole field, you literally can call out things. And listen, I literally, in one of our ads, we talk about the goalie in the World Cup, basically won the game for the whole, for the, for Argentina. Yeah, so I, good point. I, I think you're super important. So anyway, yeah, so, continue so, you know, the story. And, and I'll, we'll talk about my book later, but you know, I kind of say, if you're yeah. the CEO of a company, you're basically the goalie of the soccer team. And, you know, as an owner, you're building a defense. And when you think about like building a defense, that's basically building your corporate overhead. So who's my CFO or my financial accounting? Who's my, you know, director of operations? You know, who's handling my HR? Who's handling my construction? Who's handling my legal? And I'm basically at the back and I got to go and hire playmakers. I got to go hire salespeople. I got to go hire, you know, great group exercise instructors. And they're responsible for basically scoring the goals. And I'm basically in the back saying, how can I help you allow that to happen? And how can I see yeah. the lanes as you're talking about, you know, one of the big things, and I actually, as an aside, when I go watch a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game or soccer game, I will only go now and I will sit in the back of the goal or the goalposts because I want to see what's developing on the field. People say like, oh, I want a 50 yeah. yard line seat, you know, 10 rows up. It's like, you're not really, you're not seeing what's happening on the field. So the perspective of a goalie and anyone who's played professional or team or high school sports would always say like, look, there's more strategy to this. And this, once you deploy the strategy 
and you could see the field, then you can really execute on what you're doing. So long story short, where we were getting to is, you know, I was the goalie. Right, right. You're still, yeah, I, was, I was always like supporting other people to win. He has so much value. I love it. Thanks. Pete. Um, you know, and, and as I kind of went through it, my dad was the CEO of a beverage equipment company back in the day. So he used to provide coffee machines, cappuccino machines, fryers. I mean, I used to go in right. on days off from school and put together marketing brochures. And he had 300 people working for him in a factory, you know, right by LaGuardia Airport in Long Island City. And I, I realized quickly that, you know, a lot of things that you need to be good at as a CEO is you got to be able to listen. You got to be able to like understand the audience. You need to know everybody's name. I mean, everybody's name, you know, the person that's in charge of the cage that's got the spare parts up to the people that, you know, are running your, uh, your, your sales and marketing department, you know, on a worldwide basis. So I realized that like a lot of the DNA that you need to have to run a successful business is being a good listener, understanding what the problems are. And also a lot of the solutions that you need to run a successful business, it's already in the minds and hearts and, and souls of the people that live and breathe your brand, you know, and you just got to basically get it out of them and make sure that they're not afraid to tell you. Hey, look, we got to change this, or I think I could do better if I had X, Y, Z. So I learned at an early age, you know, if you're going to be a a CEO, you're going to be a leader. You know, it's not about you scoring. It's about you managing and taking and optimizing people. So as I kind of went through Emory was where I went, did my undergrad. I was the intramural athlete of the year. That's my physical athletic claim to fame in 1993. I ran a fraternity. So I understood, you know, how to manage your peers. Then went back to banking. I started in banking at Chase Manhattan Bank and Donald Solufkin and Jen Red, and I did everything in Excel models in PowerPoint. And that was awesome. It's okay. like, but it would be like, Andres, okay, grow this revenue by 30%, you know, year over year, cut 10% of, you know, expenses, um, grow the membership base XYZ, and here's what the returns are. And, you know, you get so used to doing things in Excel that you think like, oh, that shit must be really easy to just do like in the physical world, uh, not just on a spreadsheet. And uh, I went to Harvard Business School and I fully appreciated that if you want to run a business and you want to run a sustainable yeah. one, one, it takes, you know, market validation. That could take years if you get a product to market or get a service to market or get a brand, you know, you know, into people's heads or what it means, you know, with a logo or, or with a, you know, some kind of, you know, script that makes you emanates a feeling, you know, like I'm a big soul yeah. cycle addict, you know? So when I see soul cycle, right. that logo, like it has certain chemical, you know, changes. You know, I get excited. My endorphins are like, all right, we're ready to rock and roll. And I think a lot of people in the boutique space kind of have that same feeling. But make a long story short, I went to Harvard Business School to help start up a company there, was tinkering around with some things on the internet, and then went down. I got my first job 20 miles south of where you are right now in, in Boca Raton. And I worked yeah. at the private equity fund that inevitably ended up buying Gold's Gym International. And the funny story there is that I was 27 years old. I moved down to Boca Raton. In 1999, I was like one of the first of all my friends to have a 561 area code, probably 30 years before, you know, actual possible retirement. It's gotten a lot more professionalized in South Florida since I I was down there um, then. But I worked for a firm called Brockway Miranda Partners, and they owned a uh, aerospace parts company, an agricultural tank business, a company that does the blue chemicals that go on the airplane toilets. And the first day I was there, they said, we also have a, a letter of intent to acquire Gold Shim International. And I kind of quickly scanned the room and I'm like, I'm definitely the only guy in here. Uh, these 10 people that work at this investment firm that actually owns a Gold's Gym tank top, which I did. And I also had a Gold's Gym membership. Yeah. So I raised my hand. I'm like, right. hey, I was uh, an athlete, 
you know, I work out. I got a membership at the Gold's Gym two miles down the road from here. You know, I'd love to be on the Gold's Gym deals, the junior associate, the guy doing the Excel models and the PowerPoint and, you know, looking at the KPIs. And I basically haven't left the industry since August 1st of 1999. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur. I've been an investor. I've been an angel investor. Uh, I've been an operator. I ran a software company. didn't take a salary for three years, kind of ran around as a crazy entrepreneur. So I know how that feels. Talk about that faith. Yeah, you can tell somebody, you know, oh, I know how it feels. You know, you don't know how it feels until you move money from your checking account into your business account to take payroll or to go to the post office, (laughs) hope that a check shows up back in the day or hope that your client, you know, stays on and doesn't cancel. And really, you know, managing people, managing product. And then, you know, what needs to happen today and what needs to happen, you know, a year from now or three years from now. Um, So I learned, you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I fully appreciated it doing that software venture for three years, which ended up being run and still is alive through my partner running it down in Arizona. But, you know, I'd say from there, I went back and I started doing deals. So I helped a group called, what was the Crunch Deal, Massage Envy, did a financing mm-hmm. introduction for Equinox on one of their big debt financings, did several Gold's Gym rebrands. So that's everything from EOS to Spectrum and Bay Clubs to wow. Club One to Texas Family Fitness. We're the long-term advisors to Jersey Strong. We worked with the Galliani brothers when they rebranded to One Life from Golds. So we've been in the mix on probably about a third of all the M&A mergers and acquisitions transactions. And that's just the ones at top of your mind. Right yeah, now. yeah. We, we got about I mean, 100. There's a lot yeah, we more. Did about, we did four. Yeah. About to do another one. About five Orange Theory area development deals where basically what our role is, so it's understood by, by the listeners here, is Integrity Square is effectively what we call an investment bank. And what we do is you come to us and say, hey, I've got five studios or I've got five gyms or health clubs or sports complexes. I now think I have an opportunity to go from five to 15 or five to 50. And obviously, as an entrepreneur, you know, you can't, you don't have the financial capability to do that on your own. And it's not prudent to take on a loan that has a personal guarantee. And also, you're tapped out uh, from the SBA on how much you can really take and how much people are comfortable with. At some point, you know, you sign in so many personal guarantees. It's like, ah, what's another million dollar lease? What's another five million dollar loan? Right. And you wake up one morning at three o'clock in the morning, like, wow, my risk reward here, you know, if there is a COVID or if there is some, a fire or if there is a, you know, a force majeure, you know, a weather, a hurricane that hits my city, like I'm in a lot of trouble. So a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, come to us and say, Hey, look, I built this as far as I can take it on my own. I need institutional or outside capital. And what I usually tell people is like, look, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got five health clubs and then you're up against a planet fitness that has a, you know, 50 store development agreement and it's backed by a big investment firm that has money from University of Florida's endowment fund and universities of Miami's, you know, pension fund and high net worth investors and CalPERS, which is one of the largest asset managers. They own the, all the assets to pay out the retirement and pension and healthcare for all the California retirees. You know, they have a $44 billion investment into the private equity firms. So private equity firms that invest in companies they no longer need to sign a personal guarantee on leases. They don't have to sign a personal guarantee on debt because it's supposedly smart money or institutional money. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're competing against another business that has access to institutional capital, it's like chess versus checkers, unfortunately, on the same board. So what we try and do on our end is say, look, how can I provide you with the tools to 
field the team, if we go back to soccer, be able to win yeah. at what you're doing and also be able to then explain yeah. what your special sauce is, what your key performance indicators are, how you compete successfully against yeah. these other groups. What does my P&L look like? And why is my income statement have X amount of marketing, X amount of, you know, I can't pay X amount of a lease. Um, here's how I stay off my business. So we've got something called Halo so, Academy, Halo Talks, and then right. Integrity Square right. is kind of the M&A advisory firm. And I just wanted to like reemphasize on if you are battling institutional funding, I think it's not even just chess against checkers. It's more like chess against tic-tac-toe. You're playing a different game. Exactly. You're playing a different game. You're not even, you're not even thinking about these things that you don't even know. And something I learned today, well, not learned, but it's, it's, I remember today and, and got, you know, fresh in my memory is you cannot receive what you don't conceive. And so, so people that want to play higher, you, you're not conceiving. You're not, your context is not big enough to fill what you need to actually go out and get bigger things. And so I just love that, Pete, and how you're helping the industry and the, the people who are gaining some momentum and they have so much more potential to grow and become you know, soul cycle that, you know, that's Equinox owns them, Yeah, right? Equinox holding company owns them. You know, I think, there, you know, during COVID, a lot of people had time to, you know, take a pause and say, you know, let me learn about the other concepts that I'm competing with. Right. And there's you know, part of the business model is to understand, okay, Orange Theory is an example. You know, the one thing that you need to know about Orange Theory that's different than an average studio is an average studio has 300 members plus minus, you know, at stability. Orange Theory has 800 members. And what they do is they say, okay, you want an unlimited membership? Well, let me tell you what an unlimited membership is. It's limited, right? So that's the special sauce of the model because you get eight classes a month, right? That's kind of like your unlimited or like the maximum number. Mm, right. And that allows you to have the capacity as an Orange Theory operator to actually have space and time slots that'll allow and cater to 800 people. Because if you had somebody coming every day, you know, you're going to tap out at three or 400 members, even if you run the best, you know, operation. And then you look at the franchise documents that a lot of these franchisors put out and they have something called item 19. And item 19 in the franchise disclosure document, the FDD, is the financial statements of all the franchisees that are in the network and the franchisor. So you can literally go through and the benefit to a competitor is that if you want to go and see how does Orange Theory make money? How does Massage Envy make money? How does European Wax? How does, you know, Cycle Bar, Club Pilates? Like they're putting all the financials in their franchise disclosure documents, which are legally obligated to do in order to sell a franchise. But they're also, they're showing those financials because you're not allowed to tell a prospective franchisee, hey, Andres, you, uh, you become a Club Pilates franchisee, you know, you're going to make X amount of dollars, you know, every year. They're not allowed to say that. It's like, you know, you're hyping something up that might not happen. But what a franchisor can do is say, hey, just look, I can't tell you, I'm not allowed to, but go look at item 19. Mm. And that's where the PL is. So by them trying to use that for sales purposes, it's also publicly available because you can get all these FDDs. You can get them, you see, your competitors could get them. So there's been no better time to actually compete in an industry where. You've got companies that are either publicly traded, like Planet Fitness. They come out mm -hmm. every quarter and tell you exactly what's going on with their network. Lifetime Fitness is now public and Exponential is public. So you've got that information and data and kind of trend, you know, trends going on. And also they're going to tell you 
what they're doing and what they're thinking about doing because they got to talk to the public markets and public investors and they have to give forward looking statements, right? So if I'm a competitor and I know that, you know, XYZ health club chain is coming into West Palm Beach, right? Let's say Lifetime Fitness comes in, we're putting four clubs in West Palm Beach, okay? I know it's going to take them three plus years to build those things out, right? Because yeah. it's 100 down square feet. So That's if right. I'm a current operator in West Palm Beach and I find out that, hey, I know my competitor just announced because they're trying to, you know, make sure the investor community knows, hey, we're growing and we're growing right. in like these high demographic areas at the same time. Okay. I just got an alert that I got a competitor coming here in 24 to 36 months. How am I going to reinvent my business or how am I going to be prepared for when they invade, you know? And then what I tell people is like, look, you got to really think about your business. And when you go to a trade show, you know, I use this analogy, you know, it's a military analogy. So hopefully everybody on here could stomach this. But, you know, when, when Russia invaded the Ukraine, you know, eight months ago now, if you think about like, what did you hear in the news or what came out of the mouths of the people that were running Ukraine? They just said one thing. They said, send me javelins. Right. You remember that? That's all I want. They didn't say, I want lactate milk. I need some ammunition. I need some, you know, diapers and some, they don't did it. And then we need like, you know, food. They didn't say, they said, dude, send me javelins. Tell us what javelins are because I was in the military. I was in the air force, as a matter of fact. And, and I'm, I'm like that. Yeah. Anti-tank, you know, like, you know, laser guided missiles. I think it's like probably the best right. descriptor of that. My point is that when you go to a trade show, or when somebody says, Hey, I'm going to help you fix your business. Yeah. You know, you got to decide if as a, as a gym operator, like I can only buy a certain amount of weapons, right? My weapons could be, I got the best equipment. You know, I got like these badass Pilates machines, right? That's like my javelin. It could be, I got the best salespeople in town because they know everybody and they grew up here. They were like played division one, you know, at University of Florida or University of Miami. So like everybody gravitates towards them because they're like elite athletes or. It could be, I got the best location. So my javelin is my, my lease, right? No one ever said to me, Andres, I got this shitty location next to a Whole Foods. Never came out of anybody's mouth except my own as a joke, right? Cause it, the, the traffic flows there. So my javelin and my asset is my lease. It could be my programming. It could be that I get people results and I got like a special sauce. It could be my culture. So when you think about like going to a trade show or you think about like taking random calls from somebody who says like, Hey, I can help you uh, go through your database and figure out how many members are most likely to leave in the next 90 days. You know, that's like, they, and they call that artificial intelligence. I want everyone to pause for a second. Tell me how much intelligence you have. All right. You can't get artificial intelligence unless you have intelligence. And what this industry needs to do in 2023. So I love that. Yeah. So in 2023, and we do this at our Halo Academy and, and I do some seminars. You know, I say to people, in a room, I had like 50 health club operators a couple of months ago. I said, if I was a new member into your club, I want you to ask me questions and tell me what you think motivates me. Because ABC Financial came out with a report that 65% of people leave a health club because they, they lost motivation, right? Yeah. So think about, instead of saying like, hey, when's your birthday? And like, can I get you a fitness evaluation? You know, you go to, I think club operators and studio operators need to say, hey, look, Andres, one, what do you want to achieve? Okay. Most people want to achieve like 20 to 30 pounds of weight loss and muscle gain. Like that's kind of like 80% of like what people want, right? I want to be able to take my shirt off at a beach. I want to take my shirt off when I feel like it, right? And I want to like feel like people are like, oh, bro, you're looking good, right? Or vice versa, right? And you feel confident. But what people don't 
take the time to put into their member database or their activities is like the story I told you before. Hey, Pete Moore is paranoid about having to go into Sears and buy an elastic jeans. Okay. Now, if <laughs> everybody right. in, think about no this, husky everyone, brands, no, no husky, husky brands. bro. So if everyone in your in your studio or in your club, like, hey, this guy Pete Moore, like, if you see him, like, if you his face looks a little chubby or like he's looking like he's like a little bit lethargic, just go up to him, bro, and just say like, man, we're not going back to Sears, right? Bam, bro, that motivates me. Okay, trigger. You know what else? Right there. You know what else? Trigger point. Right. You know what Boom. else motivates me? Just as an example to go down this path. The other thing that motivates me is I like to get yelled at. I'm just telling you. I grew up in an era of playing high school sports, and I went up to my coach one time who was yelling at me like every practice, Coach K, in ninth grade. I was a, the captain of the basketball team. And he's, I want to give you some of these because people need to think about how to incorporate this. Yeah. And I think this is going to be super important. So this guy used to yell at me all the time. He's like, I'm like, why do you keep yelling at me? I'm doing the best I can every practice. He's like, look, man, the reason why I yell at you is because you have more potential than you have right now. And I'm going to get you to that next level. And he's like, when you, you know, when you should come up to me, you should come up to me when I'm not yelling at you. Because if I'm not yelling at you, that means I gave up on you. And I think you peaked, right? So I want to get yelled at because I want someone else. And I'm okay with that. Not in maybe this new era of like, you know, everyone's like a little bit too like sensitive. Find out the people that want to get yelled at. Okay. Here's another thing that I love. Here's another thing that I love. I love catching footballs, right? That I wasn't allowed to play. I had to play soccer. Which I did well at, but I, but if you I got I can catch anything. So if you're you need to have that in your database, that look. Let's say you're a health club operator and you hire a new personal trainer, and he have to, happened to go to University of South Florida, and he was a wide receiver. Okay, and he's running group exercise or personal training classes. I need to know that. I need to know that as soon as possible because I'm doing a ten pack with that guy, right? I'm doing it. So you need to know what motivates me. You know, other things that motivate me is like I hit the snooze button a lot because I, I I work late and sometimes I miss my class. So you know what? Somebody might say to me in my, why don't you come to the club sometime? Why, why do you lack motivation? Bro, I sleep through it. So why don't you give me a wake up call? Is that so hard? Or even better. And that's where you use artificial intelligence. Like, hey, hey, program the artificial intelligence to Wake, wake them up. But you got to have the, you got to have the primary intelligence in order to make You have to have primary intelligence, order, 100%. Right? So you need to know that I'm a guy. You need to know that I'm a guy. Like, I want that. I want that call. And I might want to call directly from you as a personal trainer. Or if all these people live in a five mile radius of the club on average, right? Yeah. Is there a reason why there's not like a school bus that picks people up? The school bus picks kids up. Right. Elementary school. So if you had, you know, Escobar Fitness and it was like, a, a little mini bus that was wrapped around and we're doing like a six, six to 8 a.m. Not even wow. like all day long. Just go pick people up and be like, hey, man, you're coming to the gym and I'm going to wow. make sure you come to the gym because I'm outside your house. That's a pretty cool concept, man. I love it. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Nobody's doing it because everyone's <laughs> no one's doing it. A, you know why they're, they're not doing it? It's because everyone jumps to say like, oh, I sent an email out to people. I do a right. text message. So people sometimes hide behind technology right. to think that they did something. But right. this is... There's no, and this is why during COVID, I said, look, you think we're going to be like Blockbuster or like the arcade industry? It's not going to happen because right. something happens inside of a class. Something happens inside of a club, you know, where there's community, where you feel good about yourself, where you, you push harder. And I don't want to work out in my apartment, you know? I yeah, don't want the, DoorDash showing up every day. And I don't want to, I want to leave here and go somewhere and then come back and feel like I've achieved something. So my point is, before you go... Sure. Find out like what motivates people, what pisses people off, what like what rewards they want. Do they like gift cards? Do they like peanut M and M's? Do they like pizza? Like you know, Planet Fitness does. And start to think about like if I dump all this intelligence, then I got a real member. 
because I know like what their buttons are. So people are like, oh, I lost 30% of my members, but I, I lost a thousand members last, last year, but I, I picked up a uh, thousand forty. I'm like, those thousand people kind of like they died, right? Why'd they leave? Cause you didn't fucking have any information on them to keep them, get them results. And the thing, who has the information? It's interesting you mentioned losing members because I have a club that uh, lost a, a trainer and with that trainer went the members because the trainer knew them and knows right. them, but the owner doesn't know them like the trainer exactly. does. So collect the information, make sure you have it, not just your trainers, but collect it from your trainers. And that way you're able to say, hey, by the way, you, you this trainer's leaving, but hey, I know this and this and this. We'll make sure we'll take care of you. Don't worry exactly. about it. Exactly. And look, the software is out there now that, that you got to use the software. The software's got activity logs. It's got fields. It's got reminders. It's got classifications. It's got ways to cut the data. But if you don't, if you as a club owner in 2023 can't really like get to the granular level and it only takes 10 minutes, 15 minutes, instead of doing a fitness evaluation, let's do a motivation evaluation. Hey, I'm going to bring Andres in. He's my motivational specialist. He's going to ask you 20 questions. Those 20 questions are like, that's gold. That is like, that is digital gold to me. Digital gold. Oh, so good. I love that. It's it's retention. If we talk about the biggest issue that gym owners are is keeping their their members motivated and retaining them and then also their team members as well. So also retain information from your your team members, like know them, hope, understand what's their passion. And what I was talking about this earlier. It's, it's so important to to collect that that EQ, emotional intelligence, right? Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if you got a copy of the book yet, but we wrote this book called Time to Win Again. Okay. There's 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. And we'll, you know, we'll send you a copy and put it on the show notes. But basically, I was watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan back during oh, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, why doesn't everybody in the health club industry that works in the health club industry, why does it just say trainer on the back, you know, or salesperson on the back? Why does it say my last name? And like, why isn't this like a football jersey? And, you know, you played soccer back in the day? A soccer, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Football. So like, you know, I tell people in the, when we go around these seminars, like give everyone an authentic uniform, right? I got this pin, dude. Somebody gave me this pin the other day uh-huh. at this event. Okay. What is it? You can't even read it, right? No. Like this is like, <laughs> right? This thing's like in like Pete Moore's in like four font and then friend of the firm's in like three font, right? So you'd have to like lean in to even see me. What if I had my name on the back and just said more on the back with a number and then the Gold's Gym's. The Gold's Gym guys just just bought all these jerseys for one of their clusters. So everyone's got a, a Gold's Gym football jersey with their name on the back. And what I tell them is like, look, when you're an athlete, no matter how old you are, and you strap on a jersey, shit changes, man. Everything gets more serious. So I'm not going onto a field. I'm going into my club, I'm going into my job, and I'm wearing my jersey. I'm ready to go. And what I think it also does, you know, one, I got my name on the back, so I'm not going to be like, you know, playing with my phone because someone's going to be like, hey, this guy's doing X, Y, Z in the locker room. What's his name? Oh, number 26, you know, more like a, you know, like a penalty in, in football. And what you could also do, which hasn't happened yet, but what I tell my club operators when I say get everybody your authentic jersey and spend the 60, 70 bucks doing it with their name on the back, if they leave or if you fire them, take the jersey back. Huh, really? Okay. Take their, take their letters off. I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. Okay, because every athlete that I've ever met, never wants to give up their jersey, okay? So make it like, look, this is an organization. I am giving you the right to, to represent my brand. And when you don't represent my brand anymore, for whatever reason, that I'm taking that jersey back. I'm unembroidering your name and I'm putting the next person's name on it. And get like militant about this stuff and say, look, you as an athlete 
you know, like you're on the field, right? You're like one of my starting 11 players, right? I'm going to treat you like an athlete. And if you don't show, you know, somebody sometimes say like, uh, this guy didn't show up today. Actually, that's the only thing he did do. You know, and then someone's like, oh, this guy didn't show up for this game. He showed up, dude. He didn't do anything to contribute. And he was detrimental to the team. So I feel like people in this industry, like we're just an extension of like athletics in a way, right? So let's treat it that way. And let's go and get division one, two, and three athletes or kids in high school, you know, that know what it's like to be on a team, are committed to that team effort, you know, and not are, you know, freewheeling and saying like, oh, like I'm a singles tennis player. I play golf, but I only play singles or I'm pickleball and I only play singles. Probably not going to make the, the team, right? Because he doesn't know it. He or she isn't on a team. is a beautiful word to hear when you're scoring on the soccer field. This last World Cup was won by Argentina because of one important player. Yeah, you got it. It was the goalie. He secured the win for the team. And in the same way, ReviewBiz platform will catch negative reviews before they go online. In addition, it helps you score and promote fresh new reviews so you can crush the competition. So don't let those big box gyms take your clients. ReviewBiz will help you build your online presence and turn your own members into your best sales reps. Get your first five reviews for only $1. All you got to do is go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try to get started. As you talked about the team, I think one of the, the biggest best teams out there would be the military. And you talked about the military a little bit and it's like having the javelin, but no man left behind. Like, like I'm not going to leave you. That guy's coming with me. Also, he's got my back. I got his back and we're moving forward. But then the single singles teams don't, don't work. Singles teams don't work. And, and then you come together with the sports analogy. I, I love what you're putting together. And this is just the introduction guys. <laughs> Oh, it is? Okay. All right. No, no, that's okay. I think you covered a lot of things that could be improved on the fitness industry. I'm not going to ask you that question because we just talked about it. Like, this is beautiful. This is so good. Pete, we really appreciate it. It's The the one thing I'd add to that, not not to cut you off, but to add to it is- No, please. You know, a lot of people think they're like, oh, I'm hiring these employees and there's like, here's this like five-year plan. I kind of would break things down into like a season. Like, nobody cares that the Giants, I'm a New York Giants fan. Nobody cares that the Giants went like four and twelve or three and thirteen two three years ago. They just care that we made the playoffs this year. This was the team. This is the players. We went like ten and six or whatever the final was. So think about like I'm hiring somebody and I'm hiring you for for like the 2023 season. Okay, this is like a psychological change for people to say like, hey, I'm hiring you. I don't know what your long term contribution is here, but I'm going to put you as like head of group exercise or I'm going to put you as head of personal training. For 2023, okay? And then in December of 2023, just like a sports team does, I'm going to evaluate my personnel. I'm going to decide what we need, what the results were. Is this the right culture? Do I need to change things up? And I might take the head of personal training down the road, and that might that person might become like, I don't know, regional director. I don't know. Maybe they do certain things, and, and they're, they're outgrowing this location, so I, want, I need them to keep them and to use that person to their best ability. I'm going to make them – a regional director, I'm going to push them around to other clubs because they, they've got this contagious energy and, and way that they do things that I wanted to have them be on like the education and like right. the sales side. 
Um, I love that process. That's yeah. All, that's so think amazing. about it. Think about yeah. everything as a team. Like who's playing defense? Who's playing offense? Maybe shift it up. You know, give people multiple skills and figure out a way. Like where that personal trainer doesn't leave because you pay them well. You got growth, and there's you know they got benefits and, yeah. and other things. So make it hard to leave for the people that you want to keep, and make it easy to leave for the right. people that should be on the team. Just like a sports Sharing, team. Yeah, benefits. Like it's not just the job. It's not the hour. If it's just the job and and the money, then you probably don't have the right culture inside of your exactly. business. And it's got to be more than that. So I, I love what you're bringing to, to the table. It's finding the right people and you have to shift through some some garbage to find yeah. the right people. Yeah, so definitely. I, I really enjoyed how, man, you just kind of like this whole strategy in, in less than half an hour, you, you've basically laid out what 2023 can be for the gym owner that's looking to to change things up and make it, their club a lot better and stand out. Like we talked about the javelin. What's their javelin? So exactly. Good. So there's yeah. two things. There's really two like takeaways. You know, you go, you're going to go to a trade show and you're going to walk around and people are going to try and sell you, you know, a new system or a new service or a new product. And I, I, I would encourage people to say like, is this a javelin? You know, is this my new weapon? Because mm. everything you buy in order to support your business is basically a weapon. So think about going and like, a trade show is basically wow. like an arms dealership, yeah. right? My arms dealership might be like, hey, dude, if we don't have like anti-aircraft, you know, radar defense systems, Ooh. then right, if we don't have that as the military, yeah. like we're yeah. severely disadvantaged. Just like if you don't have a good software platform that has right. information in it and it's collecting your, your revenue and showing your reports. Like, so that's basically like your anti-aircraft, you know, software platform or central nervous system of the club, yeah. right? How are you managing and, your members? Yeah, is, is it just... And what do you mean by management? Is it just collecting money or do you actually have data like you talked about that's going to help you retain that customer, that member? Right. right. So technology is a weapon, right? That just yeah. happens to be one of the weapons, right? Right. My signage is another weapon. My, mm -hmm. you know, what my brand looks like, how my people are talking to other people. Okay. So I kind of toggle between like, here's like some military references. And then if I'm a sports team, you know, what's everybody's role here and what constitutes a win? You know, and sure. and how many, How do we get our it's members? Tiny. You've been in this industry for a while. And back in 1999, when I started, they used to have a Gold's Gym Body Transformation Challenge. It was $100,000. Right. 20,000 people would do this for like, you know, three months. And then they'd have winners. And basically, the majority of the people, like we talked about right when we started, they want to change the way they look and they want to change the way they feel. You know, and somehow the health clubs and the studios, like they started to get away from or didn't fully define like, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to basically do three things. I'm here to get you results that you want physically, mentally, and in your society and psychologically. I want to help you build relationships. Mm -hmm. And I want you to spread the word to other people that I can help them live a better, happier life. So there's a business model that has to be attached to that. There's investments that are attached to that. If you're not helping somebody get results or build relationships with your hiring, with your model, make it affordable, but you know, fair. Yeah. Then you kind of lost sight of like what you're doing. And a lot of people lose sight of what they're doing because they're Oof. like, fuck dude, I got to like backtrack this. I got to like cut costs here. I got to do this. I don't, I can't spend marketing this month. It's like white piece of paper. Where are we at right now? Where do we want to get to? And let's figure out how to get there. And what do we need? What, what don't we need? And get like very granular about like bowling's about like going down and just don't put it in the gutter. Right. Right. You're talking about vision. Rails. It's all it's all what it is. It's talking so about vision. vision and, and without vision, this is this is actually biblical. The people perish. 
and you can use that right for your club. You can use it right in there. You got to make sure that your your people know what your vision is. If not, they're just going to come up with it and then your culture is going to be out of whack. It's not going to work for anybody. Right. And, and look, you could get a software platform and you could get all the KPIs you want. I could give you yeah. all the key performance indicators of how many members you should have per square foot, how much revenue you should have per member and in what categories you have. But I think there are certain clubs that should say, okay, what is like, what are two things that, that really matter or three things that really matter to me? So there's this woman that was in one of our academy classes and she's, uh, was an Orange Theory owner. And she's like, if I have more than 800 members at any time, I know that, that my team's doing a good job because that's basically the maximum amount of people that I can accommodate. And if there's plus minus, you know, 10 or 20, but it's, I still have about 800. She's like, that's basically the only thing that matters. If that goes down to 700, I know I got a personnel issue. I got a competitive issue that came up or something's going on inside the club that's like a bad vibe or it's not clean, right? That was her indicator. That like key performance indicators, by the way, if people think about like, what does that mean, right? Like it's indicating something that I either have achieved or it's indicating I got a problem, right? right? That's like a KPI. So from a standpoint of, you know, other people, they might say, look, I need to know how many referrals I'm getting and I'm just going to look at my churn, you know, and those people that leave, I got to find out why they leave. And if they leave it because they're not motivated or they haven't achieved results, that's on me as the owner, right? right. If they want to go try a competitor, if they, you know, are sick, they want to have a bait, you know, like they're out of the workouts or they got a personal trainer for a period of time and they're cycling through some other, but that's natural. Like I'm not going to keep everybody, right? But I want my fair share of people that are, are trying new things. I want other people that are in other modalities to now right. try mine. Right. And I want them to cycle through and I want to be sharing the member. Years of right. It. Yeah. So, but, so I think so a lot of gym owners in this world, they're like, this is my member. They shouldn't be able to go anywhere else. No. Well, listen, you are a martial arts gym or you are a CrossFit gym and they want to do boxing. That's okay. Like that's let them do other things. It, it's okay. There's nothing, you, yeah, you're not, you're nothing you're going to do about that from yeah. a standpoint of, you know, what people want to try out. So I, I think the, but, but knowing why people leave or knowing, yeah. you know, what their results have been. That's a key indicator to me. How would you share? Let me ask you this. What would you recommend to the audience? Because I know, hey, everybody asks. Everybody sends an email, he asks, and then not everybody replies. Not everybody tells you, you know, even for our software, like they'll, they'll leave and they think they solved the problem with their another software, but it really is not really going to solve it for them. It's been, so- I kind of know with the, some questions I ask, but how do you how do you recommend if they don't say anything? Like, how do you entice them? How do you influence them to come? Yeah, I, need I mean, we're an, we're an investor. We work with a company called Promotion Vault, so it's like yes. basically action oriented, you know, Perfect. gift cards. I mean, those could be in increments of five dollars or ten dollars, and then people will fill out the surveys or they'll right interact with you, and then they'll either validate that card or not. So yeah. that's one way to do it. Second thing to do is, you know, just have a feedback loop that, you know, look, every time you get a DoorDash order, you know, afterwards it says like, rate the driver, rate the food, rate the yeah. the wait time, right? And people are either skipping through that or half the people are probably putting in like, you know, what they thought about it because it only takes, you know, 10 seconds. So after every group exercise class or every personal training, you know, there's no reason to not have a survey loop that goes back or to do, you know, with Blair McKinney and MXM and do, you know, a a net promoter score. Um, sure, NPS. Yeah. And then the other things is really, you know, part of the problem and, and look, GM owners and unit operators, 
there's only so much time you have in a day. So as much as I know you as a gym owner, you know, want to look at the data, figure out what it means, troubleshoot, get ahead of things, you know, that might be happening at 10, 11 o'clock at night. After you shut down the studio, after you put your kids to bed, after you went to dinner, after you got your own workout in, mm-hmm. right? So it's not easy to do this. Not and easy. I think some of the software companies are going to be providing more and more reporting and maybe direction and say like, hey, here's what you got to think about. Here's some things that we're seeing that historically look like you got to figure out how to get around or fix or negate you know, this trend. So there's a lot of outside sources that are going to be helping that and probably charging you for some of that. But going back to the point of what I was saying before is like intelligence is -hmm. the way to get this information and don't let somebody convince you in 2023 that they could help you with artificial intelligence until you have gotten to the point where you can now speak to your audience that you can say with a straight face to Andres and I, hey, I got all the information I know and I need to know to make sure that this person stays motivated. And if I don't, then don't hire anybody to, to recut your data because you don't have the data. It's not real. That initial. Um, I love yeah. it. I and love then the last, yeah. And then the, the other point related to that is you can't grow a business in a new location until you really have nailed the unit economics of your own. So don't, don't go out and talk to investors about, hey, I'm doing a second, a third, I'm doing a fifth location when you're like halfway through your first one. Or you're, you know, you got two locations and you're thinking like, oh, I'm thinking of buying about like a 20 store development agreement. Like some of the people that try and grow too fast forget that it takes time to like understand how a business runs. It's unless you've done it before in this same space, you need to know the right people to hire. You need to know what time the classes need to be. You know, you need to know traffic flows. You need to know the groups in that area. You need to know what local marketing works, what doesn't work. If I'm going to work with influencers or not. Are my instructors, are they responsible for bringing people in or am I responsible for that? Right. So am I like Madison Square Garden and they're like a music artist or are we doing kind of like a rev share deal here? Or do you work for me as an employee? So I feel like you got to, the best entrepreneurs and the ones that get equity capital to talk about like playing chess, they've spent the time and figured it out. And one story I'll tell you, Dave Long's been a friend for a long time, pun intended, who lives in West Palm, actually, Delray or something. With Orange Theory, he used to be the, the head of franchising of a regional for Massage Envy with the other guy okay. from Massage Envy, Jerome. And Dave Hardy is one of their investors, strategic partners, as well as the founder, Ellen, who started up Orange Theory. So I used to go down to Dave Long when I'd go see my parents down in, in Florida, and I'd meet him up in, in Fort Lauderdale. And this is when Orange Theory had like five locations, and I had like wow. 10. And I was kind of like, in a way, I was like, like, are you like semi-retired man or like what's going on here? And he kind of, as I think back to those conversations that I had with him and those like coffee meetups, it's because he didn't, the special sauce wasn't, it wasn't developed yet. Like the ingredients were not all put together. And he knew to his credit that I'm not growing this thing to 50 or a hundred locations until I got the special sauce right. It's like, if I was an Italian restaurant, I'm like, all right, I got this special sauce, you know, this Italian sauce, but yeah. it's like, it's in beta. You know, you can't sell it to people until it's it's ready. And they kind of hit at the right place at the right time, you know, with these limited, unlimited memberships. Right. When technology and mobile was, was, you know, to the point where people wanted the data, they call all their instructors or team leaders, you know, by their team leader or like instructor or coach. They don't call them, you know, it's not Andres doing like a Drake thing or, you know, Pete doing a Rihanna 
It's not based on the individual. No. Right? It's based on the workout. So that takes away some of the risk that you talked about with the business. You know, sure. somebody's doing sales. Maybe they're not called a sales specialist because people don't like to be sold something. Right. Am I selling you something or am I like, Providing am I like, yeah, am I like your, yeah, my, so words matter. The script yeah. matters. Making sure you understand what the person wants to achieve. And if somebody comes in and says, I can't pay this price, you know, let's say, or somebody comes in and says, Hey, I'm thinking about going to Planet Fitness and paying 19 a month. And you're like, well, we don't have a 19 a month membership. We got 39, we got 99, and we got 199. You know, and they say, well, can you, can you give me a discount? You know, I think some people have to have the guts to say, hey, you're not my customer. Like, if you ah. want to self serve, if you want to self serve, go to Planet Fitness. I'm yeah. going to text you. I'm like, what do you want to achieve? I'll lose 25 pounds. Okay, this is what we're going to do. You don't want to pay to use our facility or to be part of this community and get the results that I will guarantee you will get. So I'm going to text you in 90 days. Okay, we're going to meet up. I'll come to you. And, and I want to find out if you met your goals. And if you did on your own, that's awesome and good for you, right? Yeah. You should have been at Planet Fitness. And that's great because you accomplish your goals there. That's but it. if you do not meet what you wanted to achieve, come back to me. Let's go. So think about that as a way to like, it's, I'm not selling you on something or I'm not saying no. I'm saying, look, you make the decision. I will help you achieve your goals. Or if you could do it on your own, that's awesome. Problem is 90% of the people can't. Okay. But if you're that 10% that can, just go there. That's where you belong. And it's I okay. love Planet yeah. Fitness because it's got 20 million people off the couch. And like everybody that I talk to that's a stranger that works in some kind of, you know, gig economy or an Uber driver yeah. or somebody at a bar or restaurant, they're like, dude, this is awesome, man. I go whenever yeah. I want. It doesn't hurt me on financial, you know, financially. And it's like a feeder system right. to the rest of the, and, the, and, the club and, chains. You know, Planet Fitness is like, you know what? I don't. The grunts, the the guys that want to build muscle, that that's not my audience. Like they told us, and we make fun of them for it. And meaning we, meaning the you know commercials and whatnot, and and out there, and that's okay. Listen, it's your different. It's their javelin is not somebody that that wants to compete and build muscle. That's Correct. So so if you think about, and this is what we do at our Halo Academy, and this is right. what the audience here needs to to understand. The reason why they don't have people. They don't have dumbbells that are more than 50 pounds and they don't yeah. want the grunters and they have that grunt right. bell. The reason why they don't want them there is because they stay too long. And they okay? use the equipment. <laughs> exactly. So yes. if, I, if I'm running Southwest Airlines, yeah. okay, as an analogy, I can't have people you know, getting first class seats, right? Because that's going to slow down the turn of a, of a plane from gate to gate. So a case study that we go over in one of our, cl- like our classes mm-hmm. is like a Southwest Airlines. They don't have seat assignments, right? There's no food and there's no first class or, or business class, right? So, and they also use the same plane, right? So the Boeing 727 is the only plane in the Southwest Airlines fleet, right? So from a time that a gate and they don't have TVs on the seats, right? Because that would create a maintenance issue, a refunder issue. So when you think about all that that's been designed in the business model, every one of those things is not because, hey, bro, let's just not have seat assignments. No, let's not have seat assignments because it slows down the boarding process. Let's not have food because it slows down the loading process. Let's right. not have first class because now we have to treat people differently and we have to have like a class system, right? Let's not have five different airplanes because now I got to have five different fucking spare ports in like all these different cities, right? So the average Southwest flight can hit a gate in LAX in 19 minutes, literally, Andres, 19 minutes, they will be out of the gate going to the next city, where an average airline is 42 minutes. 
Big so they are running Big two difference. to three more flights per day with that same mm-hmm. aircraft because they've designed the business model in order to right. allow that to happen. So every decision, like in and out Burger, will never have chicken. Okay, They won't, right? right? Because I need separate freezers. I need separate utensils. I got issues. I got space. I'm like, do right. I do burgers. I do fries. Yeah. You get cheese on it. I got condiments. I got drinks. And that, I and crush it. that. And model, that, like right? McDonald's, McDonald's I think is a big brand, but the profit margins are not as good as they are for Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out. They're better because it's a menu smaller and they know, like you're saying, it's the same analogy. It's the same thing. It's, it's, so, it's so true. Yes. Yeah, so, so Planet Fitness, like their business models are architected to basically be like the Southwest right. Airlines or the fitness industry, yeah. which is awesome. So if you're competing with that and you know that, you can tell someone and say, hey, look, if you can do this yourself, just go there and pay for it. Go there. But if you want some yeah. help, you want community, you know, you want content, you want relationships, you want somebody to like really help you get there and coach you up to get there. And you can bring friends and you can have your kids here. We got this group exercise program. You know, all those things, that's like a differentiator to a business model, but it's a different business that we're running. So you can't be an express club and an HVLP 2.0 and a lifetime fitness and an Equinox, you know, and a soul cycle all in one because you're running no way. business models that don't fit with each other. So pick what your business right. is, figure out how yeah. to optimize that. And then your annual maintenance fee or enhancement fee in the Planet Fitness case makes up 40 to 45% of their total cash flow. This will be an Run annual strong and fast in your lane. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm exactly. hearing. Run fast and strong in your lane. Stay in your lane. Know your lane. And it's same thing for our business. We do the same thing. It's like we just do reviews. And, and I want to kind of bring everything together for us here. And, you know, I have one question because I haven't even asked you a question, but we've been unpacking so I think much. We answer, I think we answered all the all the required questions. On I think we, re- we answered that and more. I love it. Right. I, I'm not, this is, I'm getting more than I asked for. This is beautiful. I love it. It's like this gift that's unpacking and, and unpacking. Yeah, well, let's, I, keep, I let's keep going until enough. we drain out. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to make sure that we do ask you this one question is, if you can recall an obstacle or a challenge that you've had in your business or currently having right now and, and how you were able to overcome it, that's something that you can help us understand because somebody out there could have the same challenge and is like, well, Pete, you're saying so many things and you've answered all these questions, but I still have this challenge that I'm having. Is there one that you can think of that help us really understand? Yeah, I'll just give you, I'll give you an example without using a name. Let's just call it like... Um... Let's call it like sure. Pete's Pilates as an example. Okay. You know, let's Beautiful. say. Pete's Pilates. And it's, a, and, and it's a franchisor and has, you know, 50 locations and 10 of okay. the 50 locations are, are doing well. And then 40 of them just aren't, it's not working. You know, we franchised mm-hmm. the business to somebody. They were probably, you know, maybe the wrong franchisees. We didn't really have like a, an operating model that, you know, we had a $199 unlimited membership where you go all you want. Well, we realized post that decision months later that, the people that would go to Pilates in this example were going 25 times a month, right? So 25 times a month divided by the 199 unlimited, they were paying like yeah. $7 or $8, you know, per visit. I only had a certain amount of Pilates machines in there. So it was great that I was getting 199 from a hundred people, but I really couldn't accommodate anybody else. And the usage was off the mm-hmm. charts, right? So awesome. People are getting results, but I don't have the square footage to actually make a profit doing that. Okay. So, you know, to, to answer your question, there are some things that you need to do and you need to say, look, if I've been doing this experiment for a period of time, okay, and I'm like doing franchising and for some reason, like my franchisees aren't doing well, okay, and I can't figure out how to provide them a business model 
which is franchise mm. and give them somebody an operating model that will allow them to make money and a system. If you don't have a system that does that, figure out a way to change all your franchisees into licensees. Okay. And get out of the legal oh. obligation of being a franchisor, which has auditing mm. expenses, which has compliance expenses, wow. which has oversight. You know, there are certain times when you say to yourself, look, I've got to reinvent what I'm doing, or I need to stop, take a time out and say, all right, look, can I actually get to a point where each one of these franchisees is making 60000 a month? Or did I grow too fast and not focus on the unit economics of my own franchise, my own corporate owned location? Yeah. And then I franchised it. So if you're franchising right now, anyone in the audience right now, and people can't get to $60,000 a month in revenue, pause mm-hmm. your franchise, start to try and figure out what else should be in my four walls, what else is part of my business model, or what's the pricing need to be, or what is the programming need to be. Don't sell more franchises because you're running down a slope where people are not going to get results. And if you think about what we talked about with members earlier, you know, this is about results and relationships. Those are like what you're playing with in the fitness industry if you're not an express. Right? R and R. Yeah. Return on relationships and results. That's the two things I like to say is like my metric. So if your franchisees aren't getting results, their members can't get results because now you got like a a negative vibe with a company or a business that's undercapitalized, that's losing money or not making any money. They can't hire the right people. It's basically a tarnishment to your brand over time. So stop, figure out like, hey, let's reinvest and recreate this model and, and do another experiment. So a lot of businesses think that like, I open and I have the will and the right to succeed and I'm going to figure it out. So some people come to us and say like, hey, I'll, you know, I got 10 locations and uh, I want to go to 100 gyms or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, which one's the prototype? Oh, the 11th, the one we're going to do next with your money. It's like you've had 10 experiments. And like if none of these are the prototype, I'm not funding the prototype. That means right, you haven't figured right. it out yet, right? So you got right. to figure it out. So before you go get investors, you know, like you got to really spend the time and the work and be in that studio. And actually, you know, run and figure out the business. And it might be something different than, than what you think it is, you know? But I think you got to be, it's got to be true to what you believe. Like there are operators that might say like, look, man, I love the Planet Fitness, you know, business model, but that's just not who I am. Like right. I'm not in like the self-serve, you know, fitness game. I'm in the full serve business game, you know, fitness game. So then, you know, like don't have an HVLP concept because you're not going to feel rewarded. You know, some people yeah. might say, I love working with, group exercise instructors and I get people coming in and get results and doing Zumba and everything else. Find a business that allows you to stay with true to yourself, but a franchisor can really help you on the marketing, on the software, on the compliance, on, you know, larger ad fund. So I would say do the research up front and a lot of the data that we talked about with the franchise disclosure documents, industry reports. And then also if you're going to get into a franchisee and a franchisor network, Call up as many of the franchisees that are currently in it, and they're all listed in the franchise, and say, "Hey, man, if you would, hey, man, hey, man, uh, ma'am, or sir, if you could do this again, would you have bought this franchise?" And every single wow. person, every single person you, t- you ask that question to, will tell you the God's honest truth if they would do it again. Yeah, they'll always tell you. But you got to be able to open it, open fail. that loop, and yeah. Yeah, dude. Sometimes, like people say, oh, I'm buying this franchise. I'm like, how many franchisees did you talk to? Oh, they gave me a list, but I haven't called them yet. I'm like, dude, that's what you have. That's the most. That's the most Communication. important thing. Communication. Come on, let's right talk. Now. Find so out important. what the other Success. people say. You know. Yeah. No, so so good, Pete. So good, Pete. Oh gosh, I love that. How you're discovered 
the issue of franchising and getting money is not going to solve the problem. Solve the problem with what you have. You know, don't despise small beginnings. If you have 10 locations, make sure that that you understand that every single one of your franchisees is being successful. If not, change your model. Make it a licensing model. Make it different. It's okay. Yeah. Or invest invest in figuring it out. And it's not... I'll leave you with one other thing on this because I think it's important. Cool. If you've got a franchisee group and they're they're having problems, okay, with your model, just remember one thing. You sold them the franchisee. You sold them the franchise. They didn't come up with this idea and like say, I'll take it from here, right? You mm-hmm. actively said, I am franchising my business and you sold them a business model that you had conviction in and you said that it worked. And that's the reason why you should use my business model and pay me two, five, six, eight percent of your total revenue because I'm giving you something special in a box. Now, if they open right. that box and it's not what they thought it was, or if they're not making money, that's on you as the franchisor. It's not like, oh, I got this yeah. shitty franchisee or these, these people don't know what they're doing. That's your problem. Like you yeah. didn't educate them. You didn't run the play. Or maybe the play wasn't fully baked. And that that goes to my point of like, Maybe don't be a franchisor if you can't fit if you can't help other people make money and have like a system to do that. You don't really have the right to become a franchisor. If they can't run the play as well, maybe they're that's not the right position for them. They they they're not ready. You you hired the wrong franchisee. They're not employees, but they're yeah, still them on. need to qualify. Yeah, you brought on, yeah, yeah, you allowed somebody to pay you. And look, a lot of franchisors are like, oh, somebody's gonna pay me twenty five fifty grand for initiation fee on a franchise. Like. If we're sitting there like, yeah, of course we're taking that money. But you know what? You can't take that money unless you can deliver, you know, the right. results associated with that and what you promised them. So you're a fit. So, so I'd be, yeah. So if you're a franchisor and it's not working, you know, either let people out of their contracts, turn them into licensees, get money to buy them back, you know, and refranchise mm-hmm. them, which, which groups happen. do at yeah. times. And just kind of like retrench and figure out like what it is. And if your business is too complicated, you know, you don't have to you live with it. You know, do, do surveys of like your best hundred members and say, hey, what do you guys want this place to be? Or what's working here? What's not? And just right. listen and then try to fix it. You know, the problem is that a lot of groups end up doing that like too late and they don't have any money left, to, you know, to change or they can't get investors or what have you. So, but I would say, you know, take time to really think about like what your business is, how technology is affecting it, what results you're, you're delivering and what relationships, you know, correspond to that. Love it. All right. Awesome. Wow. That was a lot to take in. Firstly, we talked about the DNA of being a successful business owner by listening to your audience. And secondly, we learned the importance of not solely allowing AI or automation to be the one asking your clients what they want. Lastly, we discussed so much. I would love to hear what stood out for you. So go ahead and drop me a comment on Instagram. You can find me at meetesco. I'd be super grateful to hear from you. And also, if you still need to do so and you thought about someone while listening, go ahead and share this podcast with them. I appreciate that. Thank you again for your time and attention in listening to our show. Remember to follow or subscribe if you still need to do so. Our next episode is going to be with Derek Bishop, and I can't wait to have you listen to our conversation. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing you next time in the Growth Zone. Our show today was brought to you by our incredible team, starting with production from TSE Studios, 
music consulting by Tyler Schmeling, our lovely guest coordinator, Anna Ponce, and focus juice from our project coordinator, Mauricio Murillo, and myself, Andres Escobar, as the host. Thanks to ReviewBiz for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to get the most out of your review strategy, then go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try so you can get your first five reviews from your real members for only $1.